Welcome to The Business Extra. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, The National's Assistant Editor-in-Chief. Uh, with me is co-host and The National's Feature Editor, Kelsey Warner. Hi, Kelsey. Hey, Mustafa. So today we're talking about Kareem, the... Uh, I mean, what would you describe Kareem as these days? A local, I mean, local champion first. I mean, a success success story by most measures. 2019, Uber acquired them for $3.1 billion. They continue to operate essentially independently from Uber as the you know Middle East, North Africa, Pakistan ride-hailing app. But in recent years has turned their attention to more of a super app, um, making acquisitions even in the last couple of months to develop that further. So a lot going on more recently for Kareem, but a decade is kind of the story we're talking about today, too. Well, we're going to speak to, in a moment, the CEO and co-founder of Kareem, Mudassir Shaker. But before we do that, please do subscribe. If you're on YouTube, uh, ring that bell. Uh, Mudassir, thank you so much for being with us. It's a pleasure to be with you guys. So as Kelsey was just saying, we're at a, a, an interesting point in your, literally, the, your journey. Um, for Kareem, which is which is ten years, and what kind of company are you now, ten years down the line uh, from from when you started? So it's a great uh, question, uh, Mustafa. And, and you know, scaling a business from uh, literally a small room with a couple of people in it to uh, almost two thousand colleagues that we have in Kareem now. And going through all the expansion and, and, and COVID disruptions uh, has been quite a ride. But I would say there have been maybe four uh, phases. Uh, the first phase really was super scrappy. Let's build a product. Let's see if this works. And, and that probably lasted for a couple of years. Uh, and at the end of it, we had a product that was working, that customers were using. Captains were able to make a living on it. And at some point, we decided this is now something that we can expand to the rest of the region. And that's the next phase of Kareem, which is where we start expanding. And that uh, was a crazy and wild time, uh, frankly, where we hired a lot of people in different parts of the region and basically gave them a product that they could scale in the way that made sense for their markets, super decentralized. We had people in different places that were making the product live in their markets, and we were simply supporting them to make sure the services were available. And then, uh, which is the phase that we are in currently, uh, this is where we have now shifted from a single product in multiple markets to multiple product in multiple markets. And as you can imagine, when you go through such a transition, you can add a lot of complexity to the organization that can either make or break you. So at this point, uh, we, uh, we have become a slightly more uh, complex organization uh, that has multiple business lines. And every business line had its own CEO or head of that business line. We have food, we have groceries, we have ride hailing, we have payments. And each of these business lines are responsible for their own expansion across the region. And we have some infrastructure and base organization across the region that supports everyone expand uh, organically. So we're finally getting into our uh, rhythm uh, with running multiple verticals in multiple markets. And uh, it's starting to uh, all come together very nicely. When you think about areas for growth in the super app, okay, so deliveries, ride hailing, payments, what today is showing the most promise to you? I feel like if I had been talking to you two years ago, I would have been asking you future of mobility questions, but now I want to ask you fintech questions. It's a, it's a, it's a funny 
it's a funny thing what you're doing kind of. So where, where are you seeing the most potential across those three segments? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a good question because we are seeing growth in uh, each of the different verticals. But what we see more interestingly is the actual growth of the, of the super app. So if you look at Dubai, uh, and if you open the app in Dubai, you will see that we have almost 18 services on the super app in Dubai. So we have the usual ride hailing and taxis. Then we have some delivery use cases, food, groceries, order anything. Then we have some payment use cases. And then we also have third-party use cases, cleaning services, PCR testing, rental cars. And the thing that is bringing it all together and leading to growth almost across the board is what we call Kareem Plus, which is our monthly subscription service that basically gives people a value proposition to consolidate their spend on Kareem. So what we do see is geographically, Dubai, where we have all of these services live, almost all of them are growing quite nicely and supporting each other in their growth on the back of Kareem Plus. Can I ask, when you talk about these verticals and these businesses, and as Kelsey's saying, you know, the, the evolution's been really interesting. Are you having to learn how to run different businesses every time you branch out? And, and, and you know, for you personally, what's, what's that been like? It's a... Uh... It's not easy to get into new businesses, Mustafa. Uh, and, and frankly, we haven't gotten it right uh, every time. We have made some mistakes and we've learned from them. Um, what we have tried to do as much as possible is things that are required for multiple businesses to be successful, that we have learned once, let's platformatize that capability. For example, delivery capability. This is something that we know from the ride-hailing days, dispatching, working with captains, and that capability doesn't have to be built in every vertical again and again. So that capability has been platformatized, is being used by our food business, by grocery business, by order anything, and anything that needs to deliver anything. So building these businesses is not as difficult as building them completely from scratch because we're leveraging the capability that exists uh, in the business already. And for me personally, you know, you can't be an expert in every business that you end up doing at the scale that we've become. Uh, so you end up needing to hire amazing people and make sure that they have the empowerment, they have the support, uh, and they have the autonomy to be successful. So it, it really becomes a game of uh, building the right organization that can uh, bring the right leaders up and can provide the support that's required to be successful. You've also gone through a couple of acquisitions in the last month, Denari, which is a payments platform, as well as Manjam, which is food delivery. Are you eyeing more acquisitions? Is acquisitions part of this scaling up learning curve process you're describing? Kelsey, absolutely. Uh, we are actually quite uh, gung-ho of uh, a lot of uh, amazing technologies and businesses that have been built in the region in the last five years. And as and when we find companies and teams in particular that are aligned with our vision and uh, culturally and values aligned, we want to bring them on board so that we can actually do the same things faster uh, than we would do organically. Uh, can I ask day to day, um, how how is inflation affecting your operations? Because it seems like you're at the sweet spot. If uh, that's probably the wrong terminology, but you're right where inflation might kick in in terms of mobility, in terms of groceries, the businesses you're trying to do, and and you know how much how much does new planning does it require? Yeah, look, I think. Uh, Inflation is a 
is, is hitting different countries in the Kareem footprint differently. Some are actually harder hit uh, than others. And uh, where we are being hit, we unfortunately have to raise prices to make our captains whole, because in many cases, our captains are facing higher fuel prices and they have to pay more for fuel, which means that they actually need to get paid <coughs> more to deliver that, that service. So we've had to raise prices and when you raise prices, affordability does come down and fewer people are able to afford your services. But, uh, but when you take a step back from, from that bit, uh, Mustafa, you realize that technology in general is a more efficient way of doing things than other means of doing things. So over time, what you will see is technology will actually help us deal with inflation in general, because you're actually doing the same things more efficiently through the use of technology than would have been possible before. So it is in the very long term and at the highest levels, a, a sort of weapon against inflation, but in the short term, uh, unfortunately we are having to pass prices along and that is leading to some disruption in demand. I mean, I noticed recently, if, if I, I make a, a broader observation about the tech sector around the world, that there was a period of time when user growth was the most important metric for investors, for startups. And now in the last year in particular, I've seen it becoming far more about profitability than about user growth. Yeah, I mean, Dar, even the, the email scene around the world from the Uber CEO <laughs> right. more recently, yes. even, we could reference, yeah. But almost culturally, um, and bear with me on this, Mudasir, but I'll make, I'll make a point eventually. But the, culturally, when companies like Kareem and Uber and other tech companies emerged, deliver all of these, there was such a lifestyle component to it. And I've seen some schadefreude online from people who are, are seeing that while profitability is more important, and, and for example, where inflation is concerned and prices are going up, that somehow millennials in particular have been hard hit by reality check of these services becoming essentially more expensive. But from your point of view, as a, as a business owner, as an operator of one of these companies, ha, has that been a conversation that you've been having in terms of user growth versus profitability and, and what it does in terms of, of the clients that you're the customers that you're getting and how it affects them? Yeah, look, uh, great, uh, great question again. So uh, the, the global economic uh, environment has changed uh, quite dramatically for tech businesses, as you, as you point out. And uh, I was actually in the, in, in San Francisco Bay area when the, when the dot-com bubble crashed <laughs> and uh, it, on, in, in some respects, it feels uh, a bit similar, uh, but maybe not as dramatic as what we saw back then. But even back then, you know, when new businesses would start, they would expect to lose money for four years, five years. And then there was an expectation that you'd start making money. And this is what some of the best companies did, right? Historically, you know, Google, Facebook, Amazon, they all lost money for some time. And then they start making money and they start making more and more money over time. But for some reason, after the global financial crisis, uh, that equation did, the equation change, right? You know, you could uh, go on for a much longer time uh, without making money as long as you were growing the top line and somehow you were incentivized to grow the top line through higher valuations and otherwise. So look, we are pretty much going back to the basics and these are not the wrong basics. It's probably healthy for 
these businesses to have an expectation of profitability uh, and shareholder returns through profitability. And what this means is uh, we'll just have to uh, build these businesses differently. Uh, and you know, at one level, what will need to happen is if a product costs you a certain amount of money to build and deliver, you basically charge that price and a bit more uh, for that service. Yes, you can still invest the money to acquire new customers, do the marketing, but you cannot offer the service at a lower cost than what it takes for you to build the service, right? So that sounds basic enough, but frankly, wasn't happening consistently across uh, the tech sector. So that's one change that needs to happen. The second uh, thing that needs to happen is, you know, we all need to be a little bit more patient in the way that we grow our businesses. If you just look at Kareem, you know, we built the ride hailing business. We went to all of these different markets that we went to. And then even before the ride hailing business was, was profitable, we started launching new businesses and start going to so many different markets uh, at the same time. And then we're launching the third thing and the fourth thing. And there's no kernel of, of positive cash flow. But if you look at historical businesses, the way they were built, they would have a core business that would make money. And then the, the money that you make from the core business gets invested to expand and build new products and services. So the same thing is going to happen once again. You know, people will need to have uh, businesses that make money, more likely the core business will make money. And the cash that you generate from the core business will have to get invested in new businesses or expansion. And the amount of new business and expansion that you can do will be limited by the cash that you're generating from the core business. You cannot keep expecting investors to fund new things while the last uh, things are still not profitable. So look, the unit economics will have to be positive for the business scale. And then more and more businesses will be built in a slightly more focused and phased manner than was the case in the last 10 years. And if I can ask, does, has that changed the culture within Kareem? You know, we got uh, lucky or unlucky uh, because of COVID. Uh, because unlike many tech businesses, uh, we got hit hard in COVID. So uh, at the height of COVID, our business was down 90%. So we were basically woken up to a very different reality when COVID hit. So um, it was at that time that we started adjusting uh, our ways of working. And many of the things that we did back then are actually serving as well now because we, we are more prepared going into this new economic environment than we would have been had COVID not hit us that hard two years ago. So, yeah, Mudassir, the last time you and I spoke was March 30th, 2020, when you were you made a public appeal um, as captains were sidelined, roads were empty uh, for public support of captains. And I just want to ask you, as you kind of evolve into the super app and all of these lessons learned of the last two years, what have you learned? What have the pitfalls been? You mentioned earlier that mistakes have been made. Where have, where have the mistakes been? Where have the big lessons been since the last time we spoke? Uh, if anything, we have been a little bit smarter in the last two years, uh, Kelsey. Um, but uh, we may have gotten a little bit carried away at the end of last year uh, when uh, there was a lot of uh, hype around tech and tech adoption. And we were also coming back from being defensive because of COVID to now going on the offense. And then we sort of got hit with the, with the new reality earlier this year. But for the most part... Uh, we made the ride-hailing business profitable. Uh, so our core business, which is ride-hailing, is now profitable. It generates positive cash that can be invested in growing new things. We've been a bit more measured about expansion into new businesses, into new, into new markets. So if you know the food business 
is live only in a few cities, uh, making sure that we get them right, grow and scale these cities before we go to new cities. Uh, the grocery business, we are again testing it uh, in Dubai first. And as it starts to build scale, the product becomes more mature, we expand it to more markets. So, you know, we have been more focused and phased uh, for the most part as a result of the pandemic. It's not a function of us not feeling the magnitude of the opportunity that's ahead of us, but we're just playing the long game. You know, over the next five to 10 years, all of these things will happen, but we just cannot do them simultaneously anymore. And, and so what will the priorities be going forward now? Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be short term, but, but you know, as, you, as you plan the next 10 years, if you're talking long term to deliver on, on your ambitions, is it new funding? Is it hiring talent? Is it you know, developing new tech? You know, what, what is it that you're most, most eager to, to deliver on? So pretty much all of the above uh, in some, some measures. Uh, but, but just to give you a macro view, Mustafa, on the way that we see the opportunity, uh, at the moment, about 6% of the region's uh, consumer spend goes through digital means. 6%. You and I can all agree uh, that this is going to be 12% soon. It's going to be 24% uh, thereafter. It's going to be 40% thereafter. This is a secular trend that's only going to go in one direction. And we have a young population, which is tech savvy, smartphones are everywhere. We are going to see rapidly growing digital adoption across all services that people consume uh, at the moment. When you see that journey uh, that uh, we just spoke about in other parts of the world, whether it was in the US or a more emerging China and, and, and Far East and India more recently, what you realize is this journey ends up creating a few large tech platforms. If you look at the US, the four or five internet companies, they make up a large majority of value and impact that's been created in the US, even though it's a very, very vibrant ecosystem. You see the same in China, Alibaba, the 10 cents of the world, they became the large dominant players in that market. Again, in a very, very vibrant uh, entrepreneurial ecosystem. And we believe the same can and will happen in this region as well. There's gonna be a lot of amazing entrepreneurial activity. A lot of startups will, will, will start, they will build scale, they will serve uh, different uh, verticals, different needs, but a few platforms will emerge as the digital economy leaders of this region. We want Kareem to be one such uh, leader of the ecosystem. And what is required for that is in our view, for Kareem to become a platform. And the manifestation of the platform for us is a super app. We want to make it easy for people to consume digital services on the Kareem app. Yes, some services we'll provide directly to customers, but most services over time will be provided by partners, similar to what some services are already provided by partners in Dubai. And we'll expand that offering to make sure that partners find it worth their time and effort to build services on the Kareem super app target customers on the Kareem Super app, and also use the many services and the building blocks that Kareem has built, whether it's locations, whether it's payments, last mile logistics, to power their services and deliver them to other customers. So that's the highest level uh, vision that we're trying to deliver. We're going to be geographically focused. We'll start with uh, some of the countries in the Gulf first, and then from there we go on to uh, the more emerging parts of the region. So you mentioned markets and long-term vision. Does that mean you're still committed and and you are quite kind of unique in the sense that you you looked at Pakistan, you looked at Iraq, looked at these countries 
because you're from this region, you know, you're from from the wider region, as opposed to some of the the, the f- international tech companies might not make those commitments. And you've invested in Iraq, you've invested in Pakistan. Do they still remain important? These emerging or frontier markets to you? They still remain very important. Uh, we have uh, our ride hailing services uh, going on in these markets. From time to time, we experiment with some other services as well. But in a couple of these markets, uh, they also are enablers of our business in uh, in the rest of the region. For example, in the case of Pakistan, as well as Egypt and Jordan, we have call centers in these markets. We have uh, our back office, our development centers. So we not just use these markets for our services and getting them live, but we also use them to enable our services uh, in the rest of the in the rest of the region. I want to ask. You mentioned before how important the entrepreneurship ecosystem is here to your own R&D and your own development and scale. We talk about, I think, automation, logistics, food delivery as all being probably useful entrepreneurial activities for, for a Kareem. But what about the more trendy kind of in vogue things right now that we're talking about blockchain, Web3, those sorts of things? Are these distractions that are uh, possibly taking away time and talent from the more core business things that you guys need to get done? Or are they really durable, worthwhile things to be paying attention to, do you think? We should should have some percent of our time uh, being devoted to those things, uh, Kelsey. It's the nature of innovation that things at the earliest stages uh, can seem a little bit... uh, can can seem looking for applications. There's a blockchain technology that is looking for the right applications. Uh, and the more we play play with it, uh, the sooner we find applications that this, this can enable more uniquely than, than is possible at the moment. Uh, so uh, while we haven't done a lot on those topics yet, uh, there are people in the entrepreneurial ecosystem that are doing something with it. It's important for us to build that skill set. And at the right time, uh, we will also start leaning on the technology to enable things that can be enabled uh, on the Kareem Super app, uh, inshallah. Uh, when the Uber transaction happened, um, I, I wrote a story about the uh, the number of millionaires that were created um, amongst Kareem staff, and then we speculated, we hoped that it would there would be some kind of effect on the ecosystem, similar to what happened with PayPal. The PayPal effect, there would be a Kareem effect where alum uh, alumni from Kareem would go and, and and found their own businesses. Have you have you seen that happening on the ground? Are you are you are you pleased with with the ripple effects um, uh, from what Kareem's done? More than pleased, uh, more than pleased. There are at least hundred plus companies that have been started by Kareem alumni to date, and uh, many of them have, are doing extremely well. They raised uh, decent amounts of money. They built some large scale, and uh, we are very very proud. Uh, of these alums and what they're doing. And the one thing that uh, I feel particularly proud about, uh, Mustafa, many of these businesses uh, are very purpose-driven, uh, similar to uh, some of the foundations that we had put at Kareem. And I hope that uh, the the DNA of, uh, of our entrepreneurship uh, remains purposeful, uh, which, is, uh, which is something that uh, is, is quite on display when you speak to some of these entrepreneurs that are building these uh, incredible startups. And and you could have been an alum, but you chose not to be. So you <laughs> have you taken a moment now that you've hit 10 years to think about what's next for you and what you've learned? 
uh, yeah, we've learned a lot, uh, and uh, by as I said, making some mistakes and, and learning from them, and also from some successes. But uh, but what keeps us here, Kelsey, is uh, is Kareem's uh, purpose, and uh, and Kareem's purpose, as you might remember, is to simplify the lives of people and build an awesome organization that inspires. And when we look at this purpose and ask ourselves, where are we against it? We realize that uh, despite being at this for 10 years, uh, we're just getting started on the first dimension of our purpose to simplify the lives of people. And we're simplifying, you know, three to 4 million lives on a monthly basis. And as we know, between Morocco and Pakistan, there are 500 million people who live there. So there's still at least 100x lives that we could be simplifying in also more ways than just point A to point B transport. So there's a lot to be done on the first part of our purpose. And on the second part of our purpose to build an awesome organization that inspires, you know, there was some inspiration that got created as Kareem became a unicorn and the deal with Uber happened. But we believe that uh, you know, there's a lot more that can be done. Just like every entrepreneur now wants to build a unicorn if we can be the first decacorn, then we'll prove to the region that these things can be done. Many more will happen. If we can build a centicorn, then again, the glass ceiling will break and many others will believe that they can get there and, and some will definitely get there. So, you know, our view is that uh, our job is not done yet. Uh, we still have to simplify a lot more lives in a lot more ways than mobility. And uh, we are in a unique uh, position having you know, having the resources and the learnings to take the next big shot at uh, building a much larger business in this region and the opportunities there to support it. So a unicorn is $1 billion, a decacorn is $10 billion, and a centicorn is $100 billion? I know the term decacorn exists. I don't know if the centicorn term exists or not, but clearly you got it. So that's what probably what it is. We, we like to break ground on the Business Extra podcast. So I think we've just invented... Well, I don't love to do math. So <laughs> it's diverging interests. But, you know, I think so the point remains, right? Like we all know that there's a lot of potential in the region, but the potential in the region a lot of times uh, underchanges itself by not aiming high enough, right? And if we can get people to be a lot more ambitious, be crazy ambitious, then yes, not everyone is going to go and build those type of large institutions, but some will. But until we give it a shot and give it a fair shot, it's definitely not going to happen. So our view is that uh, let's uh, swing for the fences and prove to ourselves and the rest of the region that it can be done. And inshallah, a lot more of these things will be done. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, uh, probably the only thing against you is that so far, uh, the, the region has proved to be to be so fragmented and being able to economically create that sort of scale as you're talking about like the equivalent of a a big you know the big tech that dominates this region uh remains to be seen but you know i, I think like you said having the ambition is is right yeah you're absolutely right on on, on fragmentation uh something that we dealt with in chapter one of Kareem by going to all of these markets and building a presence and building the legal and the technical infrastructure to operate the ride hailing business. But at this point, a lot of the fragmentation, we are able to build on a layer um, that looks a bit more uniform uh, because the Kareem business exists, a lot of the foundational things exist. And when we launch a new business, 
in a new city, we don't have to recreate it. We're able to build on top of an infrastructure that exists. And this is one of the promises of the super app as well, where we have built a presence in almost 100 cities in the region, where if you want to come and build your services on the Kareem super app, then conceptually, we can give you the ability to light up the remaining 99 cities at the, at the, at the, at the flick of a switch versus having to painfully go into every city and enable, enable your service. Of course, it may apply to some services and certain kinds of services more so than others, but conceptually speaking, it should become easier by building on the Kareem Super App than building outside that Super App. Mudasir Shekha, thank you so much for being with us. It's a pleasure. Thank you. That's all we've got time for today. Kelsey Warner, thank you so much. Thanks. All that remains to thank our production team and you for being with us. Join us again next time.